Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast, it's the wrestling podcast getting over. I was going to say we're all here, we're all talking wrestling, but it's not the case, I'm afraid. There is one man missing, and he is sorely missed. But that doesn't stop us bringing you the best, most up to date, cutting edge wrestling information. News, wrestling reviews, wrestling previews, everything you can want from a wrestling podcast and more. There's some sad stuff, I've got to let you know that straight off the gate. There's sadness, but we'll we'll hold your hand and we'll take you through it. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment, leave a review, share the podcast around, enter all the competitions we've got running on the wrestling podcast to be in a chance with fantastic prizes. Right, enough from me. Let's get started talking wrestling. So here we go. This is Cookie Cast getting over. Recording in progress. Hello. It is time once again for your monthly dose of all things WWE and wrestling related here on CookieCast. So that means it's time for getting over. Now, the YouTube viewers amongst you may notice we are a wheel short this time around as uh, Mr. Matthew Moore is off on a scouting mission hunting for fresh tips and news on the next big things to happen in the wrestling world. So whilst we anxiously await his return, he's stuck with the usual three of uh, myself, Mr. Andrew Cook, Good evening. and Mr. Paul Williams. How um, here to guide you through the events that have taken place since we last spoke wrestling, uh, which was just before SummerSlam. Is everybody alright? Everyone doing okay? Yeah, what? Everyone ready to get stuck into this podcast? No... <laughs> I mean, we're, we're to sell it there, aren't we? Um, it, it, so, yeah, it, I am going It's one of those that, um, well, certain aspects I'd rather we didn't have to talk about, let's put it that way. Well, quite. And that's, I don't that's know, exactly. I don't know whether I'm going to be able to hold it together. Well, because of because of the, the said news, I'm going to switch things around. Um, I'm going to actually start off with the news section this month due to some terribly sad news over the last week. Um, we'll start with the news of the passing of Wyndham Rotunda, better known to wrestling fans as WWE's Bray Wyatt, who sadly passed away on the 24th of August, aged just 36. Wyndham was the son of WWE legend IRS and brother of former WWE superstar Bo Dallas, and he leaves behind his partner and four children. Gents, have we got some thoughts or memories of Bray Wyatt, if you care to share? Honestly, I, I, I mean, off off air, we spoke about this at length. I would say um, it's one of those things. There's a, there's a few deaths that have really hit me over the years, uh, especially a lot more recently. I don't know if it's an age thing or um, I, I, I'm affected more by people who are a similar age to me. That pass away and then there's that um, 
Bray Wyatt was not a similar age to me. He was a lot younger than me. Um, anybody can go back through the 50 plus episodes of this podcast and try and work out if I was a fan of Bray Wyatt. Um, honestly, I've, I've, I've struggled with it. I've been quite emotional about it. it. It's just, it's such a blow to the industry, to that family, to the legacy, to every, everything, every everything, um, as far as, um, yeah, just an amazing talent taken way too soon. Yeah, I mean, like, like Andy just said there, it's just <laughs> kind of similar, like, it almost feels like it's a bit of a sort of a, like, you equate to like, a, like an Eddie Guerrero when he passed away, sort of guy that was, uh, in fact, with like, him pretty much exactly the same age, was, it, was Eddie 35 maybe or something like that when he passed away? Um, and it's just like one of those ones where it, it, there was so much left for that character to sort of get out, and it was it was uh, it was like a it was something with like, I know obviously there was the, the the sort of the comparisons that you can draw to the Undertaker with it being like a supernatural sort of element to the character, things like that. But it was it was a character that, would, that had never really been sort of seen before in the wrestling industry and um yeah just obviously that's that's sad from the wrestling side of things and obviously then you've just got the fact that yeah you've got a guy who's left behind four kids and a partner and that's worse than anything from like a wrestling perspective that's just such a tragic sort of thing to happen for a guy who's, who's young got a young family and yeah just you never really know what to say at the sort of like when things like that happen to be honest with you I think one, one thing that has become apparent more so in the days since his passing is just like the, the sheer amount of, of people who have come out and said oh I remember that time when he had time for me or I was waiting to see some wrestlers outside the arena and loads of them walked past but do you know what, Bray Wyatt went and dropped his bags and then came back out and, and spent some time with the fans and like he he, he seems very appreciative of uh, like you know how he was there and why he was there um, and the, the bit that will kind of stick with me like it like Andy said for for somebody when they, when people pass and they're a similar age to me um, you, you know I'm gonna entirely. Uh, date myself now but Bray Wyatt was two years younger than I am now um, and I didn't realise that I thought he was either my age or slightly older um, and we, we actually had the, the fortune of, of meeting him um, in Liverpool at uh, a convention that it was kind of in that period where he'd kind of gone out of WWE for a bit and was sort of in the process of finding his way back um, and uh, I was wearing my Danhausen t-shirt which is of no surprise to anyone who knows me so completely unrelated I guess a similar kind of spooky-ish character 
um, just happened to pass him at first, walking around the convention, and he stopped and commented on the T-shirt, which I thought was pretty cool, which he didn't have to do. Um, but it was also the first time that like I took my kids to anything really wrestling-related. They'd seen The Fiend. They didn't know what to expect when we saw him, because they thought, thought he was going to be in full gear for a start. Um, and when he wasn't, he took a bit of time to explain that, that to, to the boys, not to me, obviously, that that was him. Um, and they had a little chat with him about how they didn't call him the fiend, they called him the spooky, because that's what they call him. Um, and after we'd finished our chat, when it was time to go, he sort of fit, well, he fist bumped both the boys and went, right, that's it, spooky out. And they, like they were like, he said the thing that we said, the thing that we caught. So like he, you know, he he cared basically and listened and kind of took it on board. And I, I thought that was great. And if that's how he was with us for you know, no more than five minutes of his time and if he was repeating that kind of process with hundreds or thousands of people that he would bump into in, you know, the course of like a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it might be, you know, this is this is a guy who really cared about like what he did and was very good at it. And as Andy said, way more to come that now unfortunately we'll never get to see and it's just it's just proper sad. Like there's 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 no kind of there's nothing you can say. It is terrible. And 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 again, just to reiterate, reiterate what Paul said, and, and not you know, it's worse for no one um, than his than his family. And it's it, it's just proper sucks. And that's the, the, unfortunately I can't really think of uh, of anything else really to, to sum it up. It's just terribly terribly sad. Um. I've just, I've just seen a lot of, like, obviously when somebody passes, like, you've got your own personal story that's personal to you and your family, and you've relayed that, and obviously you're not the only person, so everybody's like, oh, this is my experience, and this is my experience, and it's not like they're like, nobody's like, I met him and he was awful, every single person's like, I met him, one of the nicest guys I've met, there was a, a video that popped up that proper, like, obviously you've had that news, and then the stuff starts popping up. There was a video that popped up of him just like pulling apart like a metal barrier because there was a kid stood outside a venue and it was just him on his own and he like pulled apart the barrier, went out and was, you could just see just a genuinely nice guy who was taking time for a young fan. Didn't have to, didn't have to, I, I imagine not massively out of his way but at the same time was out of his way and enough and will have meant the world to that young lad. There's like <clears throat> other stuff that's popped up. Um, the guy who made the mask, the fiend mask, um, he was friends with him. There's a video of him in a chair spinning round in his um, house and stuff. And just the, you see the way he was. Like there's obviously a lot of joy there. He was like laughing and, and having like good time and stuff. And it's just like, man. They take the, they take the good ones early. It's uh, it's just that unfortunate truth in life. And, uh, we didn't on on the day that we met. We didn't particularly get like a proper photograph as such. But he was kind enough to uh, let us have a picture whilst he was busy sort of chatting and and signing. I don't know how well that's going to come out on the YouTube's on my camera because it's quite bright in here. But um, that was the boys talking to him, um, sort of settling out now. But yeah. Yeah, nice guy, and also as well, we'll we'll get it, we'll get into this, but like 
one thing that has come out in the past week as well is that it, it absolutely should not take something like this happening for wrestling fans to be appreciative of the people whilst they're here. Like, it really hammers home to me the, like, let's have less of the, oh, well, he messed that up. Oh, well, this is rubbish. Oh, this is crap. Actually, no, this is a guy who was great at his job. And, you know, his, his conditions and, and stuff have been very well documented. And, like, his, his um, you know, like, mental health kind of stuff has been fairly well documented. Like, well, do you know what? People that have maybe told him that they appreciated him a little bit more whilst he was here, it wouldn't have necessarily changed the outcome. But sure as hell would have made him sort of feel a lot better about everything, I think. And I think that it's just just generally be kinder. It's not it's not a bad thing to be in any any form of life, whether it's wrestling or whatever. But that it's the it's the whole giving people the flowers after they're gone kind of thing that has kind of I've been sad about what happened and then I when I read that it actually made me quite angry about like the way things are. Um but yeah. We had more Sad news, as if as if last week wasn't enough of a kick in the balls with that one. Um, but yeah, further sad news is that wrestling legend Terry Funk passed away one day prior to Wyndham Rotunda. Um, Funk's career spanned 50 years throughout many organisations, but was probably best known for his influential hardcore wrestling style, a man synonymous with being the catalyst for the career of people like Mick Foley, amongst many others. Championships held by Terry Funk include the ECW title, the NWA title, the WWF World Tag Titles, the ECW World Television title, and more. And whilst Funk is a little before my time in terms of his prime, just going back and watching some of his matches, and the matches of then of people like Mick Foley, it's clear to see how he's influenced the business today. Uh, Terry Funk was aged 79 uh, when he passed away. In recent years, uh, been diagnosed with dementia, uh, but was seemingly had you know his better days as well with that. Uh, was regularly visited by uh, his friends and peers and, uh, and recently again mentioning Mick Foley again he'd spent some time with him earlier this year and like just seeing kind of their interactions kind of shows kind of like how important that was particularly with the conditions he was diagnosed with um, but yeah it's on, on August the 25th WWE ended up dedicating SmackDown to the memory of both Wyndham Rotunda and Terry Funk. I guess the last word really is, is just that our thoughts and condolences go to the family and friends of both Wyndham and Terry at this time. It's nothing, nothing really more I can say without kind of getting very upset about both, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so yeah, we'll move away from, from the sad news um, and hopefully onto some happier notes now. Uh, and actually a switch away from WWE momentarily, just to point out about uh, AEW holding all-in in London's Wembley Stadium this past weekend. It's a pretty ballsy move to have your first international show being at the National Stadium. Um, a lot of people, much like when all-in, the original one was first announced for Chicago, oh, you won't sell out a 10,000-seater stadium. Well, yeah, they maybe didn't officially quite sell out Wembley Stadium. Um... But a crowd of over 81,000, that'll do. Uh, it officially as well has, has broken the paid attendance record for a professional wrestling event. Now, some of you might be thinking, ah, but when WrestleMania was at the Cowboy Stadium, there was over 100,000 people there. Um, well, not all of those people paid, 
and uh, shock horror, you can knock off a slight bit of inflation as well. Um, but yeah, and on the night of the event, AEW announced that they're going to be returning to Wembley for All In 2024. That's going to be on August the 25th next year. Uh, thoughts, thoughts on that, gentlemen? I I saw the I saw the numbers thing. Obviously, it was uh, it was put across in a different way than the way you've put it across. It was heavily focused on one wrestling faction, maybe outselling another wrestling faction. Um, so there was that aspect. Um, I mean, you've got <laughs> you've got to give credit where credit's due. You've got to give, you know you've got to give the Jews. It's very much a, I think at the number I saw was like 81,000 and something, and it's like, good on you, well done. Just, just good work. Um, you know, rivalry's good. If, if I'm not mistaken as well, I think around 70,000, if not a slight bit more, were sold before even a match was announced, which, that is, that is insane. Um, obviously, the card by the time that the the event came around shaped up to, uh, to be pretty good. Uh, anyway, they they struck a nice balance as well, having some UK guys on there. Obviously, Osprey versus Jericho, um, and then having Soraya in the women's title match. Um, I'm not going to drop any spoilers for AEW at this point. I, oh, I guess most people may have seen it by now. If you haven't, um, ITV4 are repeating it this week for free. So if you uh, once you finish listening to the podcast, you can hop onto ITVX or the Hub or whatever the Jeff it's called these days, um, and have yourself a little watch of that for free. So that'll be worth doing. The other the other uh, thing to take into account is obviously it brings uh, the UK WrestleMania one step closer. You would hope so. I mean, it's not like. If there's WWE one way to, to beat some sort of attendance record, bring the biggest show in town to the to the, the it's small not like island. WWE to like piss on anybody's chips either, is it? So yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say I, it's almost uh, it's almost like you're uh, cynically saying that uh, they might just do that just to um, take that record from the boundary. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't suggest that they they'll announce do. SummerSlam for August the 18th next year instead, not me. <laughs> well, anyway, but yeah, so that's kind of just obviously the news is very heavily dominated by the, the stuff earlier on. Um, so we will skip along now and we'll, we'll, we'll revert back to some uh, regular featuring of the predictions title. Andy was heading into SummerSlam as the defending champion last time around. And in recent months, the defending champions haven't exactly had that much success in terms of defending the title. Uh, in fact, you could say that most title holders from the podcast have t- very much taken the leaf out of the women's tag title rules and just change it at every available opportunity. Um, the good news is for us, though, is that at least nobody's been injured whilst we've been holding our title uh, yet. Anyway... <laughs> moving on so last time around uh, for SummerSlam we had a total of 6 points up for grabs at the time of recording um, and this turned out to be a very close run affair with 1 point separating 1st from last 
Or as it happens, join second place. Um, so, with four out of six, and in joint second was myself, uh, you know, as usual, because technically I have to be last nearly every time. Uh, the, the missing wheel, as we mentioned earlier, Matt, and the last person in joint second place was... Paul, meaning that Andy actually did break the hex this time around and retained the title with five out of six. So very well done, sir. Um, the match that Andy got wrong, he said that Charlotte Flair would win the women's title. That was pretty much nailed on because it's a Flair in a title match. So there's no, no shame in picking that one. Uh, however, Paul picked Asuka Myself and Matt picked Flair, and in the end, Bianca Belair won the match. So we all got that one wrong. Top work. Um, the one that let Paul down was Finn Balor not winning the uh, World Heavyweight Title. Uh, the two that let uh, the, sorry the other one that let Matt down was Drew McIntyre not defeating Gunter, and Balor was also my downfall. So it was very very close. Um, so yeah, so Andy going for the three peak now. On, uh, on this set of predictions Speaking of predictions This weekend is WWE Payback And it's coming live from the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh There are far too many P's in that uh, And just to throw in It's in Pennsylvania So you know, why not Whilst this is technically the 10th anniversary of the first Payback event Held in 2013 um, It's actually the first premium live event Named Payback since 2020. Uh, as always, here on Getting Over, all of the match information that we're about to discuss is taken from WWE.com and it's correct at time of recording. However, the card is subject to change. On the agenda this time around, we have six matches to predict. However, WWE.com also lists an appearance by Cody Rhodes as a guest on the Grace of Waller effect. So who knows what shenanigans will happen there? Maybe a seventh match. But we won't be predicting that. Pending any late addition on SmackDown, the big news is that this could be the first premium live event in three years not to feature a member of the Bloodline. So it's the start, potentially, then, of the move away or a bit of distancing whilst Jay has his little uh, hollybobs. Anyway, matches to predict are as follows. We have a steel cage match which is Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. We have L.A. Knight versus The Miz. Sorry, I've done that wrong. I it should be L.A. Knight versus The Miz. Uh, the U.S. title match sees Rey Mysterio defending against Austin Theory. We have the Women's World Championship on the line as Rhea Ripley defends against Raquel Rodriguez. We have a Steel City Street Fight tag team title match. So, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending against The Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And finally, we have the World Heavyweight Championship match as Rollins defends the title against Shinsuke Nakamura. So, wind that back. We will get to start this evening's predictions with the Steel Cage match. Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. And we'll finally get to see what's been advertised as the culmination to the... Uh, feud as everything comes to a head this weekend inside a steel cage as is tradition 
The cage is in effect to stop any outside interference, and this is largely down to Trish's friendship, or maybe mentorship, of Zoe Stark. However, as is also a tradition, Expector therefore probably sees Zoe Stark at some point during proceedings before whoever wins has their hand raised. Question is, fellas, whose hand is that going to be? That of the Hall of Famer Trish Stratus, or that of the no doubt future Hall of Famer Becky Lynch? Um, I do have predictions, you'll be pleased to know, from Mr. Moore. Um, so as he gave me them slightly ahead of time, it seems only right to give Matt's first. Um, and Matt has predicted Becky Lynch for this one. Who wants to dive in next? Yeah. Yeah, same for me. Uh, it's one of those ones where I think a lot of people, when she came back, wouldn't have had... Well, what was it? She came back in February or something like that? Yeah, it was in the run-up to WrestleMania, wasn't it? Because they had the tag match with her and Lita and Becky versus yeah. Damage Control. So you had her had come back in February and people were probably thinking, ah, you might, you know, might get a couple of Raws out of her and then see her at WrestleMania and then she'll be gone again. And we're now, what, six months further down the line and she's still there. Um, Surely her getting the win at this point means very little and would be just very, very backwards booking. So, yeah, surely Becky Lynch has to win. This <laughs> I thought you were going to say, so Trish to win. <laughs> the, I mean, yeah, that would be the logical thing to say. Um, Andy, I saw lots of nodding whilst Paul was talking there. Yes, I am in full agreement with the, th- with the two previous predictions. Uh, I think it's basically what Paul's saying there. I think it's time to put this to bed. Becky can move on to something something more, something better. Some, not better, but something else. Uh, okay. But move on with the, with the win. I think um, that there'll be absolutely zero surprise in the sense of this is the uh, first prediction of the, of the podcast and first clean sweep. I have also gone for Becky Lynch. Um, there hasn't really been any chatter about Trish sticking around, but I think it is quite interesting that she's the first, um, sort of, well, certainly first female wrestler to um, almost use the Brock Lesnar model in the sense of she's come back, she's had a little bit of a run, she's stuck around, like Paul said, a little bit longer than anyone anticipated, probably done a lot better than most people anticipated, given how long she's had out in between matches as well. Um she even did a run of house shows in um, Canada. So, I know, yeah, no, it's her home country, but um, probably doing one better than Brock in that regard as well. Then, uh, But it, it kind of does show that it, it doesn't just have to be the fellas that get that, like, you know, lucrative part-time deal. Who knows? Like, maybe she might come back again. But I agree that I don't really see the value between now and certainly Survivor Series, which is only a couple of months down the line. Um so for now, I see Becky Lynch winning and then probably moving on to what will be the most meaningful of Rhea Ripley's uh, title defences, I would expect, in the uh, not-too-distant future. So yeah, I've gone for Becky Lynch for that one as well. Okay, second prediction of the podcast is the aforementioned LA Knight versus The Miz. Um, and one match that we didn't actually discuss on the SummerSlam pod was the Slim Jim Battle Royal. And no, that wasn't some sort of elaborate dieting contest for WWE superstars. It was, in fact, a Royal Rumble-style match on a smaller scale, taking place under the guise of WWE raking in some more advertising cash. 
Um, you may recall a Lights Out match back at the Royal Rumble being sponsored by Mountain Dew. Well, alongside the aforementioned Bray Wyatt, that match also featured LA Knight, who happened to be the winner of the Slim Jim Battle Royal. WWE.com says that Knight has been riding a wave of popularity since winning at SummerSlam, but I would very much argue that that wave started well before, more likely around the time of Money in the Bank in London. Um, and the crowd absolutely loved him at SmackDown that weekend and then throughout the event itself. And since the rise in popularity, The Miz has been complaining that LA Knight has been taking up too much of his TV and photo shoot time, so has taken to interfering in LA Knight's affairs, with a megastar returning the favour to Miz at any given opportunity. Perhaps most embarrassingly, allowing Akira Tozawa to score a roll-up pin over The Miz. So this match is certainly going to be a battle for the loudmouths, but whose voice is going to be heard at the end of the match? Speaking of the promo element, though, if anybody wants to watch how a promo should be done, check out Raw from the uh, the past Monday, so the, the, the go-home show for, for this weekend's event, and just watch the exchange between these two. The Miz, been there for a good while, obviously, but puts on an absolute masterclass in how to reply. Definitely worth a look. Um, okay, so, again, as we've got Mr. Moore's already in the book, Matt has gone for... LA Knight. Andy? Same. It's one of those, I, I, you know, it's, it, it can't, you know, other than your usual WWE shenanigans, it can't be anything else. This, uh, this, this only, only goes one way, I think. He's, he's been, like, since, since that, sort of, like, the rise in popularity, he's been a bit of a nearly man so far, and I think that if they keep doing that, it's going to just kill it. And I know that they've done, they've, you know, they've been here a hundred times before, and sometimes they have. That's why I had to stipulate um, without, you know, without WWE. Um, how do I use no swear words in the next sentence? Messing like, it up. He he was in he was in the tournament for the um, US title number one contendership. Um, I think it was the Miz that goosed that. He won that Battle Royal, trying to get himself a US title match. The Miz ended up goosing that. So, it, like, he's he's been around that kind of mid-card title picture, um, which is perfect positioning with The Miz. So I have also gone for LA Knight to win on the basis of, he, you know, he, he'll finally then get a crack at the US title. Um so yeah, so that's that's three for LA Knight. Paul has the opportunity to um, make it two clean sweeps in a row. Where is he going to go? Miz, please. <laughs> Why? I just think I just think it's the one that makes the most logical sense. Like, it's not LA Knight's not in any sort of storyline at the minute that's really sort of taking him towards a title opportunity. And I think even if he was they'd probably downplay it as much as they possibly could because they don't really have any sort of desire to put a belt on him, I don't think. Um, so I think they'll they'll play like they'll sort of slow play it like they did with the Daniel Bryan stuff. Um, so if they can get another couple of matches out of the maze with him, then that sort of keeps his character ticking over. So obviously, if, if the Miz cheats to win, which I imagine he will, or gets the quick pin, so that holding the ropes or something like that, it gives him like you know a, 
sort of a well, you could only beat me by cheating, or you could only beat me by like you know being sneaky. Let's see if you can do it like you know no DQ or no count out or something, something like that. Like it gives them an excuse to do a stipulation match the next day. I I wondered if because I, I still think he'll he'll end he'll end up with the US title, and I, I would suspect that that kind of depends very heavily on probably Dominic Mysterio. Because I could see them going down the route of Ray versus Dom and the two titles being amalgamated. I could also see it going down the route of well Dominic's then held his his North American title longer than Ray held his US title. Um with Dominic kind of costing Ray the title at some point. When it comes to, because we're going to talk about the US title match next, I genuinely don't think it really matters if it's Rey Mysterio that's holding it or Austin Theory. Um, I think at some point before, certainly no later than Survivor Series, I would say that LA Knight will will be holding that title. I'd be very surprised. Potentially. I've got thoughts on the uh, US title, which I will go into when we get to that. Okay. Um, Well... We'll run out them by saying that Paul is currently the only one on Points Island, potentially. Or not. Um, and we will be back momentarily to continue our predictions and to chat a little bit more about that US title match. So don't touch anything. We shall be right back. Recording in progress. We're back. We wait a second. I just had to take a, a second to, to talk about the uh, US title there and how the wrong one is on the wall behind me as opposed to the one that we're about to now talk about. Um, however, I really would like that title, so if anyone wants to buy me one for my birthday, then feel free. Um, I don't think Sarah listens to this, nor would she care. Anyway, moving on. The US title match. Mysterio took the title from Austin Theory on the August the 11th edition of SmackDown. Theory was slated to face Santos Escobar after the LWO member had won a tournament to earn a number one contender status. However, Theory attacked Escobar multiple times throughout the night in a bid to get out of defending the title. But when it came time for the match, Santos did actually start to make his way down the ramp before getting absolutely smashed to smithereens again. Uh, but WWE official Adam Pearce ruled that Theory would defend the title against the tournament's runner-up. And that guy was Escobar's LWO teammate, WWE Hall of Famer, Rey Mysterio. And as we mentioned, Rey went on, won the title, and that's uh, the third time in his career that he's now held the US title. Theory wasn't just handed a rematch. He, he did have to beat LA Knight to gain the title shot, although as we just talked about, there was a bit of jiggery-pokery with The Miz. Um, but then the rematch has finally been set for this weekend. So, will Rey continue as champion? Does Theory continue what he calls the forever reign, which I'm I'm loving WWE's, like, they're still pushing him, calling it that, considering that he's not currently the title holder. So, anyway, um, yeah, just discount the last three weeks or so and we'll be good, right? Anyway, who's going to win? Rey Mysterio, Austin Theory, place your bets now. Uh, Mr. Moore has gone for Rey Mysterio. I also am going for Rey Mysterio, purely for the fact of what we just talked about. Um, I don't think it really matters. The only thing um, 
airing me that way is the fact that I, I think that they've got legs with the whole Dom having the North American title still, Rey Mysterio having the US title, it kind of seems to match up. Um, I do, the, the reason that I think that LA Knight will have it before Survivor Series is because by the time we get to Survivor Series, if they go down this whole champion versus champion route once again, because they haven't done that for a little while now, so who knows, they might go back. I can't see the North American title being in that kind of shake-up, so I would suspect that there'll, there'll have been some shenanigans before then. But yeah, that's that's the only reason I've got Remy Mysterio to, to retain on this particular occasion. Paul? Uh, yeah, um, I, I am going for Mysterio to retain. Um, I kind of feel a bit bad for Austin Theory because he came, he came off this sort of Ever since, like, he got the Money in the Bank briefcase, like, last year, obviously, he's just been kind of tired with the he was Vince's guy sort of thing. And then ever since that, his, his, his sort of, like, trajectory has just been turned 180. And it's just no You are talking about the man who holds a victory over John Cena at WrestleMania. Yeah, this is, this is 2020. John Cena, not 2008 John Cena, let's just sort of like, you know, let's rein it in a bit shall we um, yeah I, I mean this this was this was said on, 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 another, on another show that I was listening to today. can you name uh, sort of, other than the John Cena match at, at Wrestlemania, can you name a, a, an Austin Theory title defence that's been sort of, you know that's been like one that's like made the headlines in the last year. It's been a bit of it. It's it's been one of those reigns that just like sort of was there and no one really sort of paid attention to it just because it kind of just never got any press and stuff like that. Um, but I think it'll stay on Mysterio um, for how long I don't know. But I think the end game is that. Uh, Escobar costs him the title at some point by turning on. Whether that's in a match against Dom at some point, perhaps. But I think the long term is that uh, Escobar will turn and then they'll have that as the few that potentially takes him to Mania next year. Okay. Alright, you're down in the book for Mysterio, leaving uh, Andy to round us out. Clean sweep or not? Very much so. I didn't have as much of a breakdown as, as Paul. I just had Rey Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. Yeah. The uh, question what the question was who, so you've answered that question. <laughs> I did I did I did my homework to a satisfactory standard by giving you the answer <laughs> you asked for. Okay, so um so out of what twelve predictions so far? One is different. Still just Paul with the Miz. So, next match. The women's world title match. Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, Payback is the name of the premium live event, and it's exactly what this match is all about. Ripley has dominated the Raw women's uh, division since taking the title as part of the Judgment Day and former WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez stood up to Ripley. However, both ended up spending time on the shelf 
uh, you know, recovering from beatdowns, basically. Uh, they, they were both injured. Uh, Raquel's injury was directly at the hands of Rhea Ripley as well, um, whether it was fully legit or whether it was storyline. Who indeed knows? Uh, but on August the 21st, Raquel appeared on Raw using crutches, which brought a smile from Ripley, until Rodriguez used the exact same crutch to issue a beatdown of her own. So it was announced that the two would face each other for the women's title at Payback this weekend. Can Raquel be the one to end the nightmare this coming Saturday? Um, and I'd be dying to know what Mr. Morris put. Now, you can all guess what Mr. Morris put. And I should suspect that this will be the, another clean sweep right across the board. Uh, say it with me, gentlemen. Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. So... Rodriguez, what? No, here he is. Here <laughs> Seriously? He is. Obvious, obviously not. Oh, I'm afraid I've got to take your first answer, Paul. Seriously. Yeah. I, I, honest, honestly, Ripley could have this one until WrestleMania 43 at this point. Yeah, so I was going to say... I feel that every now and then there are points where there are certain matches that we shouldn't have to predict. <laughs> like I saw that this was a match on the card and was like, well, do we even have to have the conversation about it? Because that title is staying where it is for a long time. So why do we need to predict it in the future? Can we just, can we just wait until the point we have to predict a change and then predict a match? To be fair, if you're going to sort of predict a person to take it off her, I think Rodriguez would probably be my sort of top pick because stature-wise, she's the only one who can sort of like step to her, really. Um, you'd argue that Charlotte's probably a similar size to her and obviously Bianca's sort of got the athleticism where you could argue it, it would make sense. But um, yeah, I just think that it, it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense until it makes sense that that, that, that's, that sounds a bit bollocks but like no no fully I, agree absolutely agree with that yeah do you know yeah. what I mean like, yeah. like she's yeah. not had it that long you could argue that in theory she should be the female equivalent of Roman she should have like yeah. a really really long reign that's not a pun that I'm not trying to do there um, but yeah it's Rhea for me and it's, it'll be Rhea for the next 12 podcasts at least okay. so it is Ripley across the board you'd be surprised to know however I don't think we should discount um, Rodriguez entirely on the basis of they had two big matches already back in their NXT days and from memory I think the one each um, so she has she has beaten her at some point I mean don't get me I wrong don't think don't get me wrong, there's obviously a way that she can win the match, but not win the title. So yeah. we're obviously, we're not taking that into account. I think that the whole point was that we were, we were all sort of in agreement that it doesn't make sense for her to lose the title. She can lose the match, but... I I don't know how long it's going to... I can't predict WrestleMania 43 like Paul, but I don't know how long it's going to be. But right now, WWE have a lot of uh, women superstars. WWE don't have a lot of top-tier women superstars. They've got a lot of mid-carders, they've got a lot of people who they'll smash around into the tag division because when the next people get injured, they need somebody to look after those both. They need to start building top-level stars. Uh, Belair is off 
at the moment, uh, obviously on a different show. They're starting to just do it by giving the other women's title to Eosky. I think that's a great move. Bailey doesn't really seem all that interested at the moment. Um, Charlotte, again, has only just come back, not really got their teeth into anything yet. Becky's been caught up in this stuff with Trish Stratus for a good while. But other than, like I say, I think it's coming. The, the Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch saga will, will begin momentarily, I believe, after this weekend. But then who else? They're, they're not building anybody in that sort of secondary challenger position at the moment, and it, it needs to change. Um, people have you know, started to notice that the, the, the women's revolution, if you like, has gone off the boil somewhat in the last year or so. And it, it, unless you start building, it's, it's not going to get any better at the moment. And I feel bad because they've, the people that are there in those positions have absolutely busted their ass to get there. Um, so it needs sorting out. Anyway, that's my little rant over. We shall move on to the Steel City Street fight. The WWE Tag Team Championship match. So Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens defending against Finn Balor and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day. And these two teams have been, uh, been at each other for months. Albeit that the team from Judgment Day side of things has kind of changed a little with the inclusion of Dirty Dom. Uh, Zayn and Owens successfully defended the titles against Dominic and Priest on July the 17th, but shortly after, Judgment Day put Owens out of action for almost a month. Kevin Owens then returned to Raw on August the 21st with one goal in mind, and that was to destroy the Judgment Day. During the feud with Rollins over the World Heavyweight Championship, Balor and Priest have not always seen eye to eye, especially since Priest has been hovering around with the Money in the Bank briefcase during Finn's title challenges. So can Balor and Priest put their difficulty behind them and claim the tag team gold, or does Zayn and Owens march on um, again, as soon as he's not here? Mr. Moore predicted that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn would be retaining their titles in this match. Andy? I agree, and I believe in answering your question, um, the 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 rift is going to get bigger um so no they won't they won't take the gold and there'll be uh, a split incoming but yeah owens and zayn for me at this point in time i could see the judgment day of just being rhea ripley and and dom just as a double act i think priest priest is is well set to go off on his own at this point finn balor could also very well do the same again but they just have to be probably a little bit more careful that he doesn't have to disappear into obscurity um, as he you know, has, has done before but again not through any fault of his own um, to that end I have also picked Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn um, I, could, I could see it going the other way entirely, again there'd be shenanigans to make it so but I think that if they do go the other way, if Priest and, and Balor do win it, it's just purely delaying tactics for Priest's cash-in. Um, and that's kind of all it would be. Um, could it potentially be that they do? And as Priest cashes in, Balor costs him the cash-in? Maybe that could be the nail, but there's lots of ways it could go. But just for now, I can't see them taking the tag titles off, uh, off Kevin and Sammy, so... Uh, we are 
edging closer to potentially a clean sweep again and still only having one different prediction for, for one match at this, at this point in time. So, Paul, hit us with it. So, do you remember when we were discussing the uh, US title match? Yes. And I said that I, I felt a bit sorry for um, Austin Theory because it had been a bit of a forgettable run. If there was a way to sort of like copy paste that sort of like thing, that, that sort of sentiment, but about the tag titles, just drop that in there, Andy. If you can, you can get creative with that, can't you? Just do the whole um, Atlanta Falcons, basically, sort of like bit and so on. Um, I'm on it. Am I the only one who feels that way? I would disagree with you. Really? Yes. You, think it's yes. been a, you think it's been a strong sort of run? No, I just, I think that not not much has happened in the time that has passed since WrestleMania, but the bloodline have happened in the time yeah. since WrestleMania. So, in in the sense of these guys took the tag titles from the Usos at uh, the main event of Night One at WrestleMania, that was all set to be the end of the bloodline absolutely wasn't the end of the bloodline so they then had one of their main tag teams go into a, you know multiple different angles of this feud within their own group and all the rest of it and in essence they almost haven't had time to, to put the tag titles in any kind of feature thing since that, that that moment in time add into the fact that then like you know that there was only what April, so about four months ago, well, that, well, Owens was, oh, oh, but, oh, but Owens was out for a month of that, so and they didn't they didn't take the titles off them due to his injury. So there's a month yeah. that nothing can happen. I think the like the only the only two real teams that I remember them defending them defending the titles against have been the Bloodline and the Judgment Day in whichever yeah. form. And that and that's kind of my point. Like I don't know why. Just to me, it just feels like they were so hell bent on like sort of getting the storyline out of the fact that it was like you know Sammy was Sammy was almost the guy, I and mean, he wasn't the guy. But to sort of like placate the people, he was the guy to be some portion of the bloodline. And then, but then it was almost like we can't really just let it sort of go there. So let's give them the tag title sort of feud to sort of carry it on somewhat for the next couple of months and then it's almost as if they just went that what do we do now and it's all like, like it just feels like they're just spinning their wheels with it and I, I just to but me there's there's too there's too many titles where it feels like it's placeholder at the minute and I don't understand why that because they're just putting. They're very much putting all of their eggs in the bloodline basket at times. Fair enough. You could argue there's like there's, there's elements of like the blood the the, uh, the judgment days like you know got little bits with it here and there. But are you telling me that since he won the world heavyweight title, Seth Rollins has done like has been really good with it? Always had like you know really really epic storylines. I I will get to that. Hold that thought. But I, I would disagree because we, we mentioned at the beginning of uh, the, the prediction section that this is potentially the first show in three years that the Bloodline haven't been on. So these guys have been going 
either in as part of the bloodline or up against the bloodline in all of that time, so therefore they have been featured. That's generally been SmackDown. Judgment Day, in one form or the other, have pretty much been on Raw every show since WrestleMania last year and are pretty much the, the featured part of Monday Night Raw. This team is the, are the only two people who've gone between both of those huge storylines and have been integral to, to both. Um, the, the Kevin Owens thing harks all the way back to Royal Rumble from two years ago. So, like, it, they, they've been intertwined with all of this. So for them to then be randomly defending it one week against the Viking Raiders for no reason would make zero sense. So I think I think I, mean, I also just to your point about there been um like the, the title situation, there's only a certain amount of time that can be featured and we know that these two teams have, have taken up the majority of the T V time. But I would say it's not that like yeah, there, there are too many titles. It's not that they're placeholders. There just doesn't need to be as many titles as there are. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you where that you could give some time to write other titles. Maybe don't let Roman Reigns have half an hour every time to just do his entrance and stuff like that. But that's a, that's a thing. That's a topic for another day. Um, but on, on the on the on the prediction side, I am going to go for the title change because I just think that like that's just that's just my personal opinion. It just feels like like something like you're just waiting for something to happen, um, and it, like they, they tend to like the sort of. You know, tag tag titles like strange bedfellows partnership thing. Do you know what I mean? Where you've got people that hold the titles, but they're they're sort of a little bit. Oh, we weren't doing spoilers um, on AEW. Um, like a bit similar to what they've had in the past with like you know Austin and Michaels being the tag title holders, but they were in a feud with each other. So I think you can have you can almost have that as the precursor to. Balor and Priest splitting up but still being the tag title holders so they're sort of like oh we have to keep it together for the team for the belts etc etc with regards to what you were going to say I assume it was something along the lines of better than you baby it was and to be fair that was on the that was on the pre-show not the not the main card so technically, not AEW tag team champions either, but uh, you know. Also, yeah, definitely not. Boom. Um, okay, okay, so the, we do have a, we do have the second difference of the predictions. It's Paul again, ladies and gentlemen. So, so Paul is either finishing first or last as this stands. Um, ima- imagine if there was a way for this to all possibly work out and for us to get like one point each. That would be a nightmare for me to sort out next, next time around. Um, okay, so one match left, and that is the World Heavyweight title match. So Seth Freakin' Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Following a six-man tag team match earlier this month where Rollins teamed with Cody uh, and Shinsuke to defeat the Judgment Day, see, featured in the main event of Monday Night Raw yet again, a shock ending to the show ensued as Shinsuke delivered a devastating Kinshasa kick to the World Heavyweight Champion, leaving him out cold in the middle of the ring. In the weeks following, the match was made for the World Heavyweight Championship, although Shinsuke was still acting kind of oddly around Rollins, whispering into the champ's ear following the announcement of the match, leaving Rollins looking a little stunned at what was said. Well, what was said, I hear you ask. 
Shinsuke claims that Rollins is working injured, and this was confirmed by Rollins the following week, saying how he is currently working through two cracked vertebrae, and he doesn't know how long he can keep up the current pace. Is it legit? Is it storyline? Who indeed knows? Gents, for the final time on this episode, what do we think here? Um, I will give you Mr. Moore's. Mr. Moore has gone straight in for another retain, so he's gone for Rollins to keep hold of the World Heavyweight Championship. I'll jump in then. Okay. So, <laughs> in the last in the last prediction, we obviously briefly discussed the fact that since winning the title, has he done anything? Like, this might not be a, like this is like this isn't like a slight on him, but feels a bit underwhelming feels almost like it's not really been given the time it's needed to get it over as a, as a sort of a you know the main title on Raw it's almost been pushed down again even though it's only just been born um, it, it, it almost feels to me like it needs a change at this point so I wouldn't be going for the Nakamura win personally okay I mean I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the book um, I mean, you'd be wrong, but I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> put it in the book. Uh, Andy? Uh, it, it, to get my prediction out of the way, it, it's a retain. Um, weirdly, I I'd had a kind of intention of bringing up something that's very similar to what Paul's been caught, kind of saying throughout this podcast, which is... And I think I've said this before, when you send the card through or when I look it up knowing that there's a wrestling podcast coming, uh, do do the research and etc. The number of times that I look at the card and go, yeah, that was, that was the best we could come up with, was it? That's the best. The times that there are, you know... The, the match where it's like, oh wow, they really did throw that in at the last minute and oh, there's absolutely no sort of, you know, whoever wins it doesn't matter and I there's there's probably some sort of nostalgia somebody once said nostalgia's heroin for old people um, I, I seem to think back and think that pay-per-views were like the biggest event at that point in time. It was one, two, ten people going up against each other. You knew they were going to be hammering the absolute crap out of each other. And it was going to be bang. Um, and I, I know I've said before about like when it... This person who's been with the company for 30 years and, you know, this person who's been with the company for 29 years and it's like, oh, so there's no, there's nobody out there in the world right now that wants to be a wrestler. No, no 18 year old, 22 year old out there right now that's just got bags of talent and wants to be a wrestler. No, they don't exist. Okay, cool. Um... So yeah, I, I I think I would maybe bring him back the old uh, the old ready to grumble there, uh, but yeah, uh, going back it was a retain in case you missed it and all of the. Uh... Okay, um, I have also got Rollins because Paul is wrong. 
Um, that, that's not why I picked it. I mean, we, we've all known this for quite some time uh, about Mr. Williams. But um, it all hinges on this thing about him, about Rollins declaring that this thing about him having two cracked vertebrae is correct. This is the first time it's come up. So part of me feels like it's a bit like... The way it was delivered made me feel like it had some truth in it. But the fact that he's not been mentioned before, the fact that he's still wrestling at house shows, the fact that he's still on TV every single week, to me denotes that it is possible for him to work through it. And he continues to do so. Um, if it is deadly serious, they will absolutely give Nakamura, Nakamura the win this weekend. I just get the impression that it what it's it's it it's something that they're gonna get sorted out further down the line when they've worked out actually who's gonna be the next in line. Nakamura would be a great shout, but he's had three weeks of build. He was the guy that came in and set NXT on fire when he first came in from Japan. He was the guy that won the Royal Rumble that year and then has never recovered from losing to AJ Styles. Um he's he's been a bang average Intercontinental Champion at best in between that but this is the first time in the, within the last three weeks since he first came to NXT years ago that we've seen that kind of like killer um, you know, guy that he used to be in New Japan if he's got a legit injury and Nakamura is allowed to kind of go after it to a, to a certain extent and we see that absolute killer Nakamura cool but I don't think they'll give it up in the first match after three weeks of build I think Rollins retains it and I think that then this is this is one to continue um, and if you know again if he is the guy it's not going to be this weekend it's going to be when we're back here ready for the beginning of October for, for when Fastlane approaches um, so yeah I have got a Rollins retain which I, I do think now for the I think that's going to be the first time in the history of the podcast because you know we all love a first time ever that three of us have actually got the exact bang same predictions. I don't think that's like ever happened before, and I know it's kind of like you know we're on here in our own time talking about the wrestling because well I like the wrestling, but I think that's purely because WWE have done a, a, a below par job of putting this one together. I think that it's. They haven't been helped, obviously, by the events of last week, and they, you know that nobody can can fault that. It, it's just it is what it is. But simultaneously, they've also had like a month since SummerSlam. They could have, you know, one show out of four weeks isn't going to chuck a spanner in the entire works. I do think that this has been a bit of a lackluster build all round. Um, who knows? They say they might add some kind of barn burner of a match that we've completely missed on SmackDown. But if they do, that's, they're giving themselves one day to build that. I, so. I, I saw some mention about this Cody Rhodes thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it, it's being billed as this is going to introduce Cody's next feud. I really hope it's not Grayson Waller just straight up. Oh, that was the other thing he said. Grayson Waller's definitely going through a table, uh, but it didn't say it was here. It said it's going to reveal in the in the course of the interview who the next feud is. Uh, 
Maybe yeah, maybe the, it's the Dwayne. I think the I think the collective, uh, as they like to call us, WWE Universe, is uh, praying that Grayson Moore is nowhere near Cody Rhodes or any member of the uh, WWE Raw SmackDown NXT NXT level up future performance program or whatever the hell they call that thing program at any at any point in the next seventeen years or something like that maybe. Why you really don't like Grayson Waller? I just don't see why I just don't like I just don't get it. I I don't mind him. I I, I like I like the cocky attitude. I like the finisher. He's got a lot to work on but I think he knows it. Um I think so what you're saying is he's basically he's basically Baron, Baron Corbin. Corbin. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, but at least he can uh, work without a shirt, eh? Um, uh, anyway, no. In in all seriousness, Baron Corbin, as much as I dislike the guy, um, has done the right thing. He's he's going back and working his way back rather than just been banded around in nothingness, which is more than we can say for. Um, a lot of the roster, as you mentioned earlier. Um, I, I, I do like Waller. I think he's 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 got the gift of the gab, which will go a long way. Um, I, I just I don't understand the need for him to have a talk show. I, I just we've we've got there's been too many of them in recent years, and there are still people on the roster that have them now. Obviously, we mentioned the Miz before, so it's the most prevalent one. But there's no. I'm, I'm unsure. Genuinely, Andy, do you think it possibly could be the Dwayne? Because I doubt that very much. So, uh, again, I think I, I, I think this may have been an offline conversation between uh, our good selves. Um, to, to be real blunt at this point in time, I, th- I think the Dwayne needs to do something quite drastic to put out the fire that is licking. Uh, so, you know, in in times of, of desperation, you go to ground, don't you? And if there's one place that he knows he can walk into and get a big old pop, build it back up, go back to your roots, go back to the place where people, you know, Stu especially, love you. Um, I, I at this point in time, I I I think it's only a matter of time before he he has to make that that jump because when was the, when was the last time you saw any mention of him? The He's the only way I can link ghost. it. The only the only way I can link it is that I think most people are probably of the agreement that. The finish the story Cody Rhodes thing will still continue, and therefore the match has to be him versus Roman at some point. But we also said it would be him, ver- like you know, Roman versus um, The Rock at some point. So maybe actually Cody then goes in against a member of Roman's family and then links back to Roman somehow. But that's the only way I can pull that together. But I, I personally don't see that happening. Um. But yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's probably going to be a relatively big name. And like you say, Grayson Waller will end up getting panned by both of them. Um, my, my money 
potentially would be on Drew. Just as a, as, again, as a bit of a bit of a placeholder, as uh, as that that word was mentioned earlier. But I could see I could see Drew and Cody having a decent decent run of it. Um, but yeah, that is it. Um, we have been through the predictions. It's payback this weekend. Um, has anybody got anything else they wanted to bring up? No, sir. Nope. That is good. We are out. So, if you have listened long enough and you, you've been along for the ride, you will know she's still sat here. Go and do some liking and sharing and particularly subscribing on the YouTubes and Alexa Bliss could be yours. Um, we will keep an eye on that. Um, we might have to make a call on that and if if things aren't moving, we'll just give them away anyway. Who knows? Because they're, they're taking up space here now. Uh, but anyway, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me on this episode, as always. And um, thank you to Mr. Moore for sending your predictions in. Um, I hope that you find the next big thing on your scouting mission. I'm not sure how many wrestlers you'll find in stock, but there may be a few. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening and or watching. And uh, we shall see you in a month for Fastlane. Thank you. So there we go, what do you think of that? Some sad, some happy, some predictions, some prediction titles retained the way they should be. Um, yeah, I think that's about everything. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening. If you're still here at this point in time, don't forget the competitions you can enter to win fantastic prizes. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review and check out the website, thecookiecast.com is there largely so that you can get in touch with us. Social media links, email button, it's all there, and it's a click away. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Cookie Cast.